All right. I continue to just feel to to talk about um, practical things having to do with walking with the Lord and been thinking a lot. Last week we started talking about the way, Christ as a way. We talked about how, uh, just to refresh your memory, we talked a little bit about how he's more like a, a, a hallway than a doorway. And uh, a, a hallway with lots of different doors on each each side. And there's uh, there's a necessity of staying in the, well, first of all, knowing him as a kind of an ongoing journey or an ongoing um, moving forward, but also a very, um, a very intentional and careful staying in, uh, in him or abiding in him or keeping in that way. There's a, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about um, that, that, that necessity of continuing in him steadfast until the end uh, of abiding in him and not in John 15, he says, those who do not abide in him wither and die and are good for nothing but to be thrown into the fire. Um, and so Christ is not just a, not just a doorway that you step through in, in, in one step or in, in five minutes and you're on the other side and you're, you're there. There's, there's some sense in which <clears throat> I think he could be compared to a doorway. But I think the, the, the better sense or the way that I think it's more helpful to think about Christ as a way is as a kind of a long passageway or a long tunnel or and and every day is about staying in the way. It's not just the the first day you started in the in the hallway or the tunnel. Every day is about abiding in that way, keeping going in that way, walking in that way, being really watchful and careful about all the different doors that have a lot of good good signs on them and names on them of uh, all of which would try to entice us into thinking that they are the way. But to but to stay in that way and that way is in that continual submission and um, inward watchful submission to the Spirit of God. And um, and so I guess I kind of want to continue saying just some really, um, I think, easy to understand things about that way. They're easy to understand, but I don't know how they, that I miss them for, I miss the simplicity of it at least, Uh I miss the necessity of living these really simple things for a lot of years. And so uh, these days when I, when I share about following Christ or being a Christian, um, as I find myself speaking and wanting to talk about the Lord these days, I, find, I, I feel myself wanting to say some really simple, uh, basic things that are fundamental and cannot be overlooked or skipped um, with any hope of our growing or advancing and 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 that's and if you think about it um, I was thinking this week just how nature nature doesn't change 
I mean the nature of things. Things things have a nature, and that nature doesn't really ever change. And I think I think that's why people in general don't change. Um, it's it's very possible for people to change. I'll talk about that in a minute. But in general, I've been around long enough now to know and to watch and to see that people don't generally change. They may want to change. They may talk about change. They might read books about change and watch YouTube videos about how to change. But But for the most part, people generally continue the same trajectory their whole life. And often with, with great desires to be something different. But if you're actually talking about life change, heart change, the change of what's actually happening and living and motivating on the inside and what's real and what's, what's going on inside of us, that doesn't, doesn't usually change in people. Uh, and then I think that's because nature doesn't change. You know, you have a horse and, and it has a very horse-like nature. And, and it doesn't really matter how, how you feed it or what you teach it, um, how you train it or, or what you do to it. It's, it's always going to do horse things. It's never once going to wake up in the morning with a new diet and a, a new set of training and, and do cat things. It just is never going to do a, a, be a, you know, there's, there's smart horses and there's dumb horses, I guess. I don't know much about horses, but there's fast horses and slow horses. There's sick horses and healthy horses, but there's no cat horses. And, and that's the way it is with people, too. You can, you can teach people... You can feed them different things. You can teach them different things. You can, you can strive to, to be different. But as long as we keep living in a nature, as long as we keep living according to the nature of our first birth, what we'll find is that we can't change. Any more than a horse can be, be a cat. You can change aspects. You can change certain ways you behave. You can change you know, aspects that you do within the boundaries of that, things you do within the boundaries of that nature, but, but you won't actually be, be anything different. The, the trajectory stays the same. It, it just keeps going on. People keep living the same, uh, the same life, the same nature, unless they actually find and begin to experience the reality of this thing called Christianity. Because what Christianity really is, if you, if you kind of boil it down to the, at least one way of looking at it, I guess, there may be other ways to boil it down and say, say this in different words. I'm sure there is. But if you really boil it down to what it is in, in its essence, it's a God-given way to change into a different nature. It's a God-given way to put off one nature that can't change itself and to put on another nature that is everything that the heart of man, the soul of man, longs to be and longs to experience. And, and in, in, in saying that, I think that 
and, and maybe I'm being too too general, but maybe I don't know. I don't know that I am. I, f- I feel like you could say kind of Christianity is really focused in or focused upon two things. It's 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 a gift that God gives on the one hand of this other life or nature, and then on the other hand, it's a way to live in such a way that we experience the growth of that nature in us. Two really simple things. One is a gift of God. One is a seed that's sown into every kind of soil. The other, and it's so important that we understand it, is the way to live in the time that we have here in such a way that the gift of God becomes the experience or the nature that's actually living and growing and increasing in us. Because it's one thing to receive the gift of God, and everyone, everyone does, it's available to every single human being. It's another thing to, to walk in such a way that that gift is allowed to do what it was given for. To, to do, and what was it given for? Well, if you, if you walk in the way the right way with the Lord, if you walk in the way that he shows you and teaches you, then that gift will bring a death upon the other nature and will progressively form a new life and spirit and nature in the heart. That gift has the ability to to put to death the horse and to bring to life the cat, so to speak, um, in us, and um, that's becoming to me as simple as it is. It's becoming to me so important, so so important that when I feel like someone's Christianity doesn't have to do with um, though. It, it doesn't. They don't have to use the same words as I'm using. Obviously, there's a lot of different ways and words to describe this. But, but if Christianity to someone isn't really about a gift of life or a seed of life, a new nature, a spirit that God gives you on the one hand, and then living in such a way on the other hand that causes or that allows that gift of life to fill and change and and grow and manifest itself and conquer and increase and produce a harvest of its own seed in us, then it makes me feel like there's something really massive missing here. And and I think just the absence of, of understanding and living according to those great two things is why a whole lot of people have correct beliefs their whole lives or, or, or have some version of religion or Christianity, but after many, many years, they don't find anything really happening in them. And um, and the reason, again, kind of going back to the, the nature thing. The reason why that's true is because there's two things in man. Um, there is, in, in man, there is uh, 
there, there's, how do you want to say it? There's two things that you can feel, every single person can feel moving and stirring and motivating in, in their hearts. There's, there's two things that are um, producing in us an experience of a will, desires, perspective. There's, there's two things that everybody feels pushing and pulling and, and awakening and attracting and wanting to steer us by steering our will. Everybody feels these things. On the one hand, there, and really I believe that this should be one of the first things. I wish this was one of the first things that I learned as a Christian. Jason, do you know that there's those two things that you feel in you? Do you know what they are? And if I didn't know what someone was talking about, I would have loved if they would have said to me, don't you feel in yourself that there's something in you that's always pushing and pulling and steering towards self? That, that there's something in you that always wants to act according to your own selfish goodwill. There's some, I mean, it's not goodwill, your own selfish will. There's something in you that is, uh, that is pulling and pushing towards pride and towards restlessness and towards um, selfishness and towards anxiety and towards distress or, 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 or lack or painful striving and fretfulness. There's something in you that, that, that has that nature to it. And yet there's also this other thing that you feel from time to time that has a very different nature to it. It's a diff- very different experience. Something else in you that you feel um, establishing or creating in you a, a, a will for something different. A desire to be free from selfishness, to be free from pride, a, a will to, to purity, a, a desire to come out of being what I naturally am. Those are, those are things that, those two things everybody feels, everybody has within them. Another way you can say it is there's what you are and then there's a gift of God that's sown into your heart of something that you're not. Not that you aren't by nature, but you feel it's moving. And from, from that gift, from that new, from that separate thing that you feel working in you come all the all the stirrings and awakenings and callings that you feel inside of yourself to, um, well, desires after righteousness, convictions, convictions of evil, um, awakenings to the reality of eternity, the, f- the feeling that you have sometimes that you know that life is passing, that everything's passing. You open your eyes and look around you and you see that everything's passing and there's a sense in you that comes from somewhere that you want to find something and hold on to something that's not passing. That you understand intuitively, somehow, inside of yourself that there is evil and that it should be um, shunned. It should be turned away from. And there's also good and it should be embraced, and it should be followed, and it should be experienced. So, so from from these from these two things come all the different things that we feel inside inside of ourselves, and and both of them 
in us kind of act as natures. Natures that are always going to be what they are. And yet in man, there is the ability given to man, sown into man by the the gift of God's life, the gift of his spirit, to come out of one nature and to come into the experience of another nature. Paul or Peter talks about becoming partakers of the divine nature. So much of the New Testament uh, talks about the the reality of or the necessity of putting off one of these and putting on the other one, about dying to the one and about learning to live in and walk in the other. That's so so much of what the New Testament is about, bearing about in ourselves the dying of the one, bearing about in ourselves the increase and the living of the other. Paul even defines ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says that death works in me so that life can work in you. He was experiencing the dying of what could never help anybody else so that the life of the one of the thing that truly could help others was working in him and through him and serving them and and speaking to them truths and and giving them uh, understanding of how to walk in and live in God's spirit. Well, because this is true, because because there's these two things in man, then there is a way that we're supposed to learn to live so that the one decreases and the other increases. And, and that way of living is, is spoken to us in Scripture in some um, very well-known verses. But if I had to summarize it in a few words before you, right now I would say that the way that we are to walk, or you could say the way that we are to stay in Christ, who is the way, the way that we're to experience the continual ongoing hallway, the way that we're supposed to stay in it and experience Christ as that new and living way is by a continual, on the one hand, a continual denying, well, first of all, a continual careful detecting by the light that shines in our hearts and then a denying and a forsaking and a refusing of all of the motions and desires and movements and stirrings and lustings and passions of that one nature in us. So on the one hand, it's that. It is a, it's a denying, it's, it's a detecting and feeling because when you start to turn your heart a little bit towards that light or towards that <clears throat> seed or that spirit that God has sown in you, then you receive and you experience a greater and greater ability to detect and see and feel the difference between these two things. If you're always living in the flesh, you can't, or living in that fallen birth or fallen nature, you have a very, very limited ability to detect the real motivations and the real, the real nature of that, uh, of, 
uh, the, the real, I don't know what to say, the real, the thing that's behind your desires and your will. You can't really see it and feel it. You always follow it and you always, as you're following it, you always justify it. You always rationalize it. You always make excuses for it. You don't actually stop long enough to to see or even think whether it's right or wrong or bad or gross or selfish or proud or any of that stuff. You just go. You just follow. Like we said last week, our, your life is kind of a continual knee-jerk reaction to the things that are around you and self, self-life, self-preservation, self-love, self-exaltation, that's always being chosen. You, you don't actually stop long enough to think and to feel that, that there's something else in you that you occasionally feel also that wants to go in a totally different direction. You're too busy going that way. And life's about going that way. But when you start to slow down, as we mentioned last week, and you start to turn, and you start to listen, you start to pray, and you start to ask the Lord to teach you, to correct you, to, to bring his, his judgments in your heart by his light in such a way that you can see them, well, then you do begin to detect. Um, you, you begin to detect evil. You begin to detect a different root in you that the Lord, of a plant that the Lord did not plant. You begin to, you begin to see with greater clarity. So somebody says, people say this to me all the time, well, I, I don't know the difference. How do I tell what's God and what's me? Well, of course you don't know the difference. If if our life is about constantly following the one, then then we've grown up in such a uh, insensitivity. We've grown up in such a, as Paul says, having our consciences uh, seared with a hot iron. We've become past feeling. Of course we don't know the difference between that light and spirit that has been trying to call us out of that way and and uh, the nature of flesh but if we if we begin to turn to it then that ability to detect that discernment that that awareness or consciousness of these two things be, becomes continually more clear and continually more um, discernible in us and then you can not only detect, you can begin to deny. <clears throat> you can begin to identify and refuse the movements and the motions and the, the deceptions. You can say, that's wrong. I've fallen for that so many times. I'm not going to obey that motion or that desire or that passion. Again, Lord, give me strength to not fall into that again. And so, on, again, on the one hand, part of staying in this pathway or this hallway or this, this tunnel is a, is a detecting and a turning from and a resisting. Everything, every desire that springs from that source of self-life, of, of that wrong nature. And as you do that, uh, you, you begin to understand that the 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 source of that light and the source of the ability to walk in the light comes from God and not from you. You you may in the beginning be confused about that. 
But as you follow it and give up to it, as you surrender to it, yield to it, then you come to see and to feel with greater and greater clarity that both the source of the light and the power to, to walk in it is of God and not of man. And that's actually what Jesus says in John chapter 3, where he says, um, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. See, you can't see that you're, that you can't see any of that or understand any of that, what comes from God and what comes from man, if, if you continue to walk in the darkness, if you continue to walk in flesh. But if you come to the light and do the practice, the truth, as you see it in the light, well, then things become become clearly seen. And what you'll understand is that all that you do of the truth, all that you do that is good, all that you can see and follow in that light comes from God. And your deeds are done in God. And it is not I, but Christ that is doing that. Those things come to be seen in that light. But only only as you are giving yourself to um, to walk in that way, denying, detecting, and then denying as far as you can see today. And that's all you ever have to do. Well, that's the one side. Is All you ever have to do is to deny what you've seen to be evil, to be wrong. And as you do that, you will see more. I'm not saying that that's all the evil that's working in you that you can see today. There's more. But all that you have to do today is to walk in that light. And on the one hand, I'm trying to get to the other hand here, deny and resist. And on the other hand, there is a continual seeing and following and submitting and obeying and loving and embracing the the appearing of Christ in your heart, the appearing of truth, the appearing of his light and righteousness, which again will then grow in you as to both its clarity and its power and its ability to work in you the works of God. And I think that in a summary, summary way, you could say that this is, this is Christianity. It's a gift that God gives, and it's a way. It's a way that we must walk in that gift. I think you could say both of those are Christ. Christ is, a, is the gift. Christ is the way in which we walk. And yet we have to receive that gift with meekness, James says. We have to receive that gift and be the good soil in which it can grow. You can't just claim to have received a gift or to, that God is giving you a gift and, and not receive it with meekness. And in the same way, you can't just claim that Christ is the way and yet not walk in the way that is Christ. 
it's always easier to say that Christ is something than to know the something that Christ is. What I mean is, it's very easy to say that Christ is the way. I've got Christ. Christ is the way. I, the Lord made me understand that the, that, that, that the way is Christ and Christ is the way. Well, that's true. But it's one thing to know that Christ is the way and it's another thing to walk in the way that is Christ. And, and so we must receive that gift with, with meekness. <clears throat> and we must also walk in that way and be careful to stay in that way. And as far as I can see it, the, the walking in that way or the staying in that pathway or staying in that place where God does everything in us has to do with denying, resisting, and forsaking everything that arises in our hearts that is from a, from a contrary nature and spirit to that of Christ. And on the other hand, continually, meekly, humbly, loving, choosing, embracing, leaning into and following every appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts. And that's why I think that Jesus said, there's a bunch of scriptures, I, maybe we'll talk about a few of them here before we stop, but there's a, there's a lot of scriptures that I think make the way really plain according to those two things. Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, and I think he, then he gives us those exact two things, well then deny yourself. Deny self, stay under the cross to self, and follow me. Deny the motions and movements, the stirrings, the passions, the, decept the deceptive, deceptive desires, the fear that rises up, the anger that rises up from that flesh, from that first birth. Detect it by my light and deny it. And on the other hand, follow me. Every way that I appear, every light that I shine in your heart, every conviction that I bring, every awareness of truth, Follow it, submit to it, yield to it. Present your members as servants to it. That was the way that Christ told us to, to follow him. In Titus, we have the kind of, you're all so familiar with that verse, I won't even look, look it up, but we, Titus chapter two, the grace of God comes, it appears to every man. What does it teach us? It, it appears teaching and it teaches us to deny all ungodliness and worldly lusts. That's what it teaches. That's what it shows you. It shows you that there's something in you that you shouldn't follow. You should never listen to it. It's going to be there. You're going to hear it calling. You're going to feel the stirring of its desires. It's going to present before you ungodly lusts and ungodly desires. When you think of lust, don't think of just uh, physical lust. Think about desire that does not come from or aim at truth. That's really what lust is. It's, it's, <clears throat> it's desire that doesn't have the right source or the right aim. It's a lying desire. That's what, that's what lust is. It's a desire that promises something that it's never gonna fulfill. All desire that doesn't come from truth and doesn't aim at truth is, is a lust. It, it, 
takes you away from truth or what the things that are real and and causes your life and your heart and your anxiety and your and your and your time to be spent in pursuing things that that you can never actually attain or that will never actually give you peace and life by attaining them denying those lusts and and then that's the other part of Titus 2 looking unto holding on to that continual expectation of Christ's appearing the appearing of Christ now again we've talked about this before but for the sake of maybe people that are online who I don't know <clears throat> very well I don't believe that's talking about the future outward appearing of Christ but the present ongoing inward appearing of Christ which is what the grace of God teaches us to look for and to wait for and to submit to. Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Another one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, here, here's, here's the first part. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That's, I see in that the, the first part. What do, what do we need to do today? We need to lay aside every weight, everything that would hinder or entangle or ensnare us and keep us from doing the second part, which is to run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. There's the other part. There's, for this reason, scriptures that talk about the, the continual dying or the continual putting off. Uh, of the one man, the continual putting on. Romans talks about no longer being slaves, no longer presenting ourselves as slaves to sin or slaves to the flesh. But since God has made a way for us to be free from the flesh, then by all means, because we're no longer, he says, debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, because now we have received another spirit another life because there's now another law that's working in us that that delights in in the ways and the righteousness of God in our inner man therefore present yourself as slaves since there's now a new teacher to which this is Romans 6:17 there's a new teacher to which we've been given over to which we've been handed over a new teacher that we can obey from the heart, then we should present ourselves, offer ourselves as slaves to the one that we obey. And again, those are just, I'll probably just stop with that, but those are just two, a couple just real simple things that I think it means to walk with Jesus Christ. To walk with him means to deny the one thing that we find in ourselves and to submit to and follow and yield to the other thing that we find in ourselves. And in doing so, 
we keep ourselves in the place where the Lord is constantly working on our hearts. We don't do the actual work of heart change ourselves. That's not for us to do. We don't provide the power for it. We don't provide the light for it. We don't do the make the dying happen. We don't make the living happen. But what we do do as we, as we abide in that place or as we walk in that hallway is we keep ourselves in that spirit that is always putting to death the deeds of the flesh, that is always crucifying the old man, that is always putting off the old man, and that is always bringing to life and causing an increase and a growth of that spirit that God has given us. Do you see the difference? Those aren't things that you and I learn how to do. We don't learn how to put off the flesh or put to death the flesh or to put on the new man. Those aren't tricks and tips and, and, and things that, that you and I are ever going to figure out how to do. Our job is to keep ourselves in the place, in the way, in the hallway where all of those things are uh, continually done by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And if we, if we walk in that way, then the power of the Lord works in us to, to bring death over that which is not of his life and to bring growth and increase in us of what is his life. All right, I'll stop there.